Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Six. Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast Edition at the Podcast Park for 680 The Fan, 93.7 FM. You guys know all the numbers. You guys have heard me enough to know what I'm going to talk about when I get into it. We're going to talk about what's been going on with the Atlanta Braves. Since the last time I did a podcast, things have kind of shifted dramatically, as things can tend to do. Um, Braves, what have had started out as a team that looked like they were going to be an absolute juggernaut and swept the Cardinals and, and looked amazing doing it, uh, has now started to scrape the bottom of that depth barrel a little bit as Travis Darno he's out with a concussion. Now, he's on the seven-day concussion IL. We'll see how long he's actually out. This is the fourth concussion in Darno's career, so I would imagine the Braves are going to be very cautious with him, as they should be. Anytime you start talking about head injuries, it's it's pretty scary, but they get progressively worse and worse each time. So uh, we'll see how long it takes Travis to get absolutely right. Uh, I would assume they're not going to rush him back. And it does mean that you'll see Sean Murphy in the lineup every night or four out of five nights instead of every other day. Uh, Max Freed, he's throwing. So I would assume he's probably a pretty safe bet to come off the IL as soon as he's available to. Um, you've got Kyle Wright throwing tonight, making his return to the big league action. We'll talk about Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster, who both were sent down. Dodd sent down today to make room for Kyle Wright officially, uh, as uh, the Padres kind of put the Braves in their place a little bit. Uh, Now, multiple reasons why. Part of it being that you didn't have Max Freed throwing uh, against the Padres, which, you know, that can tend to hurt you a little bit. Charlie Morton, who I guess looked better than he's looked, but still wasn't great. He's just kind of had a couple of, of things that we'll get into here. But for the Braves, Michael Harris, also on the 10-day IL with the back issue, he should be getting ready to come off the IL at some point uh, at the end of this week or beginning of next week. Uh, all reports indicate that he was really kind of fine and this was more precautionary than anything. And that's something that the Braves have been able to do, one, because they have that depth, and two, because they're early enough in the season to where, sure, if this was you know July or August, you're probably not putting Mike on the IL for sure. Maybe you still would freed, but probably I, I don't really think they would have. I don't think it was viewed as being anything more than let's just make sure he's not hurt. Kind of the same thing all around. Rysel Iglesias has started to throw, but no indications of when he's going to come off the injured list. Probably going to be a little bit. Um, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of Braves. A little bit injured right now. Um, Braves are kind of stretching that depth a little bit. 
as we're seeing in the outfield now. As uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how they pick up. It was always going to be an issue if they had to cover for for Michael Harris. This is one of the good reasons for having Sam Hilliard and Eli White, even though Eli White does, has not really gotten a lot of playing time yet. But all in all, it was nice to see the Braves get a win against the Reds after looking so terrible uh, against the Padres. And even in that win against the Reds, while the offense did score some runs, which was nice to see because against the Padres and against some bad pitchers for the Padres, the Braves lineup looked pretty terrible. And the starting pitching didn't look great. Again, Dylan Dodd, We'll get into that in just a second. But as, as it stands yesterday, uh, a little bit of an interesting game as A.J. Minter uh, blew a save, blew his save opportunity, and um, kind of forced an extra innings comeback. The good news is the Braves were able to win in extra innings. The better news is they won in extra innings because Sean Murphy got his first home run as an Atlanta Brave. So a lot of people had been kind of you know doubting. I don't want to use the term hating, but doubting on Sean Murphy a little bit because it had been a little bit of a struggle for him coming over at least the actual hit department his OBP had been fantastic the entire time through I uh, believe it is actually he actually has the second highest OBP on the team behind Matt Olson in front of Ronald Acuna and Austin Riley but you look at what the Braves have been doing and what started off is, is essentially everybody not named Marcelo Zuna being hot at the time you're kind of looking at it now and the lineup is Four players who have been playing exceptionally well in Ronald, Olsen, and Riley, who we would all expect, and Arcia, who has been outstanding this year. And then, while I think Murphy's turning it around now, he's got a 904 OPS. Uh, the 240's not going to look good. But he's got a 424 OBP and a 480 slug. He's actually got a higher slug than Austin Riley right now and a higher OPS uh, than anybody not named Ronald Acuna, Orlando Arcia, and Matt Olsen. Um, but the lineup, it just, it just hasn't been consistent since that St. Louis series, main culprit for me is Ozzy. I expect Ozuna to kind of suck, quite frankly. I expect Eddie to, to not to, to be down towards the bottom in this lineup as far as his numbers are concerned. But Ozzy, brother, this is not a year for you to have a down year. This is not a year for you to go on a very long cold streak. This is a season for Ozzy to kind of prove himself and get back to being the Ozzy that we kind of saw in previous seasons where you, we – Saw what we had in 2019 with him. Uh, even 2021 had some good moments for Ozzy as well. But he's just, there's there's one thing about Ozzy that will continuously drive everybody crazy, but will also significantly hold him back. And that's just the fact that he just refuses to show any amount of patience or discipline at the plate. He will swing at whatever he thinks he can get the bat on, which actually, unfortunately, in this case, is pretty much everything. Ozzy is fantastic at controlling the barrel, which gets him into a lot of trouble because he'll swing at things that you should not swing at at all. And if he gets a questionable strike call on a take, it's going to be even worse because he's, I, I don't know what his issue is as far as you know taking pitches. He's got a good enough eye to be able to. It's not like he doesn't know that that pitch is high on him or, or that it's bouncing in the dirt. I mean, there was a point last night. Now, he did get 109.5-mile-an-hour uh, I would call it an error, but I don't know if they charged it as an error or gave him a base hit on it. But he hit one 109.5 miles an hour, which that that was desperately needed because he hasn't even been hitting the ball hard. I think they gave him a hit on that play, actually. But he hasn't he hasn't been hitting the ball hard at all. He's in like a third percentile in, in actual in, in average exit velocity. He's not been putting good wood on the ball because he's swinging at everything in sight whether it's lefty or righty. And he's actually been – now, the, the swing, I believe, came as a righty last night 
uh, pulled it under the glove of, of Jose Barrero at shortstop. And hopefully that gets him going a little bit. But in the early goings, it has not been good for Ozzy Albies. And the issue is when you look at what Ozzy is as a player, talent-wise, just tools-wise, it's a player that absolutely you want in the top four in your lineup. There's 30 home run power. There's 20, 25 stolen base speed in there. He doesn't strike out hardly at all. He's got good bat on ball skills. I mean, he can do a lot of things, and he's a switch hitter. But you almost can't put him up that high in your order because the patience and the discipline are so bad that you can't have him in spots where you consistently where you're trying to drive in runs. You can't have him in a spot like that because he just he he's not consistent enough to to come through because he swings at everything. It's led to him being a negative value player thus far. As it stands for the Braves, it's not Ozuna who is the lowest value player. Right now it's Ozzy. That is that that can't happen. No, I know. It's gonna turn around, it's eleven games in, don't push the panic button, whatever, fine. But for Ozzy, come on, dude. You gotta figure that out, man. Take a pitch. It's okay. And there was a point last night in that in that same at bat where he hit the ball 109 mile an hour. The pitch before nearly hit him in the back leg and he tried to swing. Just I, I he'll go through these periods where he's just absolutely lost and it's and it's almost entirely just a function of he is just unwilling to take pitches. And I I don't know I don't know why it is. I don't know what the reason for that for him is outside of he likes to swing the bat and he doesn't like to take walks. And I can relate. A lot of us can. Nobody really liked taking walks when you were playing growing up. And if you're Ozzy, you know, he's always been so good at being able to get those hits that it hasn't mattered. But you can't you can't approach the game like that if you want to be if one, if you want to be a superstar, which he has the talent to be. But two, if you want to be if you want to be one of the main guys in your own team, if you want to be one of the most dependable players on your team, you you can't be doing that. You have to do what's best for the team. And if that means, you know, maybe you maybe you don't get your best pitch to hit in this at bat, fine, whatever. But you get three strikes to play with, dude. You don't have to swing at every single strike. So you don't have to swing at every single pitch you can get the bat on. I'm not saying that you have to be Max Muncie and let pitches right down the middle of the plate go by. But you gotta you know, you can't be Vlad Guerrero either. Like there's a reason why we talk about it with Vlad Guerrero, because it doesn't normally happen that a guy will swing at that many bad pitches and find himself a Hall of Fame career. And if you're Aussie, you got to tighten that up, man. It's not in any danger of losing any playing time or anything like that. But right now, the Braves need him to actually show that he can have a little bit of thought behind his actions, especially with everybody out. Now, if Aussie wants to have this approach when he's batting sixth or when he's batting seventh, fine. It's a bad idea. It's a bad approach. But if you want to do that a little bit lower in the order, fine. But you can't be doing that when you're batting cleanup or when you're batting fifth. That's just, that's unacceptable. Especially when you're dealing with all these injuries. And right now, what the Braves really need is somebody outside of the top three hitters to do something. Because what you're seeing right now is players are kind of pitching around the top three. Now, Ronald is getting his base hits. Ronald, by the way, looks fantastic. He hasn't he's not really lifting the ball right now. His ground ball rate's up over 50%, which is way too high. So he might not be fully, fully locked in yet. But it's also because he's hitting 340, 415 with a 511 slug and a 926 OPS. He's just not getting much to hit that he can actually lift in the air. Pitchers are, you know, making a concerted effort to make Ronald put it on the ground. Matt Olson, 
He's hitting 333 with a 462 OBP and a 667 slug. He had another three walks last night because, you know, pitchers aren't throwing anything to him. Riley has cooled off fairly considerably uh, from his time in St. Louis where he was absolutely torching everything. He went one for five last night. But I think part of that, probably because pitchers aren't really giving him much to hit because nobody behind those three is really doing anything until you get all the way down to Orlando Arcia, who has typically been batting in the nine hole. Now, Orlando's still crushing. He, uh, he went two for three uh, again last night, was scored a run and drove in a run and took a walk. So he's at 341, 400, 537 with a 937 OPS in the young season. Uh, and metrics aren't grading him well defensively. He's looked fantastic. This is one of my one of my bones of contention with, with defensive metrics, particularly StatCast's defensive metrics. Now I get it. OAA is nice in the outfield, but defensive metrics in and of themselves can be kind of tricky uh, and be... I don't want to say fake, but don't show you the full picture. Like, they don't even grade out Orlando's arm very well, which is patently absurd. Orlando has a cannon. So until I can see that graded out properly, then I'm not going to take – I'm not. I'm really not going to take his defensive measurables with the same amount of salt that I would his offensive numbers. Like, it's it's not it's not going to grade out the same way uh, where you can – where I know the eye test is not a gigantic – like, trust me, I'm not, a, I'm not an eye test person most of the time. Uh, numbers typically don't lie. But in the case of, of some of the defensive metrics, I think they kind of do. And it's not really that they're lying. They they don't paint an accurate picture, though. And there's a number of factors. One, you, you only throw the way you need to to get the out. Two, it depends on what everybody else around you is making, the plays that they're making. But it's just, when you look at Orlando Arcia and you look at what he's done this year, he is, he's looked the part of being a premier I don't want to say premier. That's a little ahead of myself. But he's looked at the part of being a starting shortstop for a really good major league team. And that's kind of borne out. Now, will his numbers continue? Um, no. His uh, his ex-WABA and his WABA are pretty far apart. His WABA right now is 408. His ex-WABA is 359. That's the negative aspect. The plus side of that is that 359 ex-WABA, far and away, the best of his career. Besting 2022 by a full 30 points, which had been, outside of 2020, had been his best season to date. So, good news in the Orlando Arcia department. Yeah, he's in he's in the 12th percentile in outs above average right now, which is absurd. That's, that there's, when you watch him play, there's no way that, he, that, they're, that he's in the 12th percentile. He looks way better than that. And it's the same thing I have with Austin Riley, where he'll grade out as one of the worst. Like, he graded out barely above Alec Bohm. And you can't watch those two play defense at third base and tell me Alec Bohm, that, that Austin Riley is closer to Alec Bohm than he is to, I don't know, pick a random third base, and then he is, like, say, Eduardo Escobar. Like That's that's just stupid, and it's not true. I'm not saying Riley is as good as Machado or Arenado or even Jose Ramirez or Kebrian Hayes or anybody like that. But he is, he is a, he's got very soft hands. Now, the range factor kills him, but even then, I've got a little bit of a of an issue with that where sure he has to dive for some plays that others are making standing up or that they can get to standing up but he does make the play. So if I know that he doesn't have quite as much range as the next third baseman but he's more likely to actually, you know, make the plays that he can get to, then I'm sorry, I do value that more than a guy that can get two more balls and doesn't make plays on them. Like, his hands are softer than most third baseman's hands. His arm is a rocket. That's not the most accurate arm. He generally is going to bury one of the dirt, uh, at least one a game. 
but with Matt Olson, the way he's been playing defense, that hasn't mattered. I just sometimes I think that the defensive metrics need to be tweaked a little bit more. Maybe stop focusing on framing runs for catchers quite as much when you're going to start losing the the. I don't want to say losing the ability to frame, but it's not going to carry as much weight when the robo-umps get here. And figure out a better way to kind of look at defense across the board because that that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a thing. Alec Bohm and Austin Riley should not be together on the defensive spectrum uh, at all on the defensive leaderboards. But all in all, it was nice to see the Braves get a win against the Reds and Graham Ashcraft, who was pretty terrible last year. He does have a good pitch mix. His cutter is really, really good, and it's great at inducing ground balls. So I'm not surprised the Braves didn't lift a lot of balls yesterday. This is not really Ashcraft's game. It still wasn't what I was hoping to see from the offense. And again, it's not going to be until you get a lot of the starters back in this lineup or until you can get Ozzy to actually pull his weight a little bit, until you can get Eddie to swing the bat a little bit, until Marcel's no longer in the lineup because he's hitting 071 right now. And by the way, he's starting again tonight. Not much of not much good to have a DH starting if he's you know not actually hitting. The whole point of a designated hitter is that he's supposed to be better than a pitcher would be swinging the bat. I know Marcel has two homers. That's literally all he's got with a few walks and then a whole bunch of strikeouts and groundouts, you know, spattered in there. It's been a terrible start to the season for him. At the, if it keeps carrying on at this rate, I think you could see them actually bring up Von Grissom. Apologies, as the, uh, as the furnace in my home just kicked on. Uh, but you, you might actually see them bring up Grissom before too much longer and just have him DH. And just work with Wash on the side and every practice, you know, as far as getting better defensively at shortstop. As long as Orlando's playing the way that he is or even close to the, the way that he's playing, I don't really think they're going to be looking to, to, you know, move him or take him out of the starting lineup. So if that's the case, Vaughn's swinging the bat really well in Gwinnett. I know he had his first three strikeout day today, but he's been swinging the bat excellent in Gwinnett. He still has an over, a, over an 1,100 OPS, I believe. Um, so, yeah kind of wasting him and Gwinnett while he's the only person on that team that's really hitting. Shoemaker did have an RBI double today, which is nice, but it's been a pretty poor start to his offensive season as well. Uh, all in all, I got I should mention, by the way, before we really dig into Dodd and what went wrong against the Padres, shout out to Bryce Elder, man. Bryce Elder was fantastic last night, and the Braves really needed it. One of the things that isn't being talked about enough in regards to how poorly the Braves are playing right now is just the fact that they're probably exhausted. They've, they, they haven't had a day off in a long time. They have played pretty much every single day with the exception of the day after opening day, I believe, this season. I think they had one off day, maybe, maybe, when they were traveling from, uh, from Washington to St. Louis. They might have had an off day. They might not have. It, it, it's been a it's been a rough stretch for the Braves where they've been playing every single night. Uh, so I'm I'm sure the legs are a little bit tired for a lot of the guys. I know the bullpen has got to be pretty sore and worn out at this point. Um, but for Bryce Elder to come up after a series with San Diego where none of the starters were able to go very long at all, I don't think a single starter got past the fifth inning. Uh, it was it was a big deal for Elder to come out and pitch the way that he did last night. He went six innings, and it might have been the best the best pitching performance I've seen from him. I It's not the best of contact. Seven strikeouts in six innings, that's a bit of a surprise for me. He doesn't normally have that type of swing and miss stuff, but I don't know if it was his slider 
I think it, it, it might have been a slider. It might have been a curveball. I don't really know. But they were calling it a slider last night. It was getting, and I think he's for sure grabbed that number five spot until maybe Soroka is fully ready to come up. Speaking of Soroka, he had uh, his second start today and pitched really, really well. Got into a bit of trouble in the first, allowed one run, but had five strikeouts in four innings. Looked really, really soft. If Bryce Elder continues pitching well, how they kind of handle that situation. I just kind of have a feeling, though, that if Soroka's pitching well and he's, he's, his stuff plus numbers through his first start were some of the best in all of minor league ball, that keeps up. He's going to be in this rotation, and it'll be a much, much better, much deeper rotation. It does make it interesting, though, if Charlie Morton continues to struggle a bit. Now, it should point out that the Padres are an excellent lineup. Like, they, they really are. So it's hard, to, it's hard to go to the best lineups in all of baseball. But that being said it does kind of depend on how you look. And for Charlie, it was it was not the exact same. He had way more swing and miss against San Diego, which I loved seeing. But he, had, he went five innings again, allowed six hits, three runs, two of which were earned, three walks, a homer, and did have six strikeouts. Now, that line I'll take. It's not great. The whip is terrible for Charlie through his first two starts. But that might just kind of be what you have to deal with with Charlie. Like, the, the control is not as good when he's getting those swing and misses, but his command wasn't good the first start anyway. He was leaving balls well, while they were strikes. He was leaving them where they could get absolutely punished. So it was nice to see Charlie getting some more swing and miss. Again, hopefully it's more just him getting prepared. It wouldn't have mattered because the Braves weren't able to score off of Michael Waka. But for Charlie, I would like to see him get one of these six or seven inning starts in. Even if it's, even if it's given up four runs, if you can go six or seven, like, Charlie, at this point in his career, he's supposed to be saving the bullpen a little bit. Now, unfortunately for, for Dylan Dodd, for my guy Dylan Dodd, uh, San Diego welcomed him very rudely to the big leagues. After he looked great against St. Louis, uh, San Diego kind of showed him that there's some different levels to this, as he was only able to go through four and a third, gave up ten hits, seven earned runs, a walk, two homers, and had three Ks, which jumped his ERA up to 771. Now, part of that was his velo was way down. He was 89 to 92, and really it was more 89-90 most of the night. Didn't have a feel for his slider. Didn't have a feel for his changeup early on, although as the start went on, it looked a little bit better. But as I mentioned, he got optioned down uh, today or yesterday to make room for Kyle Wright, which I know there's going to be people that are going to freak out over his line, but you kind of saw, or, or at least this was a good this was a good thing for Dylan to get to experience that because the Padres noticed that Dodd's biggest strength is that he throws a lot of strikes, a lot of strikes. In San Diego, they just started swinging at every first pitch, trusting that Dodd was going to throw a strike. And then, since he didn't have the 93 to 95 that he's capable of throwing on that fastball and didn't really have command of the slider, they were just trusting they'd be able to put good wood on it, and they were. They were hitting him really hard. He'll go down to Gwinnett. He'll get working on that. I don't think it's the last we'll see of Dodd this season. Now, I should mention some people on Twitter pointing out that the the animus, I guess I'll say, towards Dodd's start was not the same as it was towards Schuster. Like, the takeaways were not nearly as negative towards Dodd as they were Jared Schuster. And I will say that that's absolutely correct. Uh, for, for me in particular, like I, I did not look at Dodd's start as being as bad as Schuster's two starts, despite the fact that it was pretty easily the worst start by an Atlanta pitcher this season. 
got hit around, couldn't really do much. But I think the big difference for me is Dodd throws so many strikes. It's more a question of him learning to sequence at the big league level, which that, that comes with time. You're not going to learn how to, how to sequence properly until you get hit around a little bit. He didn't get hit around in the minors last year at all. I know he gave up some hard contact against St. Louis, but really didn't get hit around much at all, especially for a lineup that hits lefties the way St. Louis does. So for, for that, against the Padres, it's good for him to see that throwing strikes is a great thing, but there is such a thing as throwing too many strikes. You do have a fine line you got to walk. And he even mentioned that he thought his changeup looked really good at the end of the game and was kind of questioning himself as to why he didn't go to it a little bit more often early in the game. You know, it's just the things that you learn. It's the things you adjust to at the big league level. I thought Brian Snicker said it really well where he said, look, we still believe in Dylan. We think he's outstanding. He's just, you know, getting adjusted at the big league level. And I don't know if this was intentional on the part of Brian Snicker, but I thought leaving Dodd in to get one out in the fifth inning after a terrible performance where everything had gone wrong, letting him leave on an out, I thought was brilliant. There aren't many positives to take away from a start like that, but let him end on a positive note. Let him get an out and then get pulled so he can end on something. Like, okay, well, at least I got the out to end it. I thought that was brilliant. I don't know if that was on purpose. Um, I'll, I'll just say that it was because it makes Snickers sound even better. Um, and it makes me feel better about Dodd's start to say that. But all in all, man. I am very ready to get Max Freed off the IL. Now, tonight, it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle Kyle Wright, see how many pitches they let him throw, if they kind of still take it very easy on him and kind of keep him capped around 80 to 85. It could be another long night for the bullpen, which that makes me a little leery. The matchup that you're getting, Luis Sessa, he actually, surprisingly, he has a 3-3-8 through one start, but he's, he's not, a, not that tough a pitcher. Not really a strikeout guy. I don't know if they're going to roll with him as like an opener or something. But for Kyle Wright, first chance to go this season. The Reds, they're not the best lineup in the world. They're not the worst, but they're not the best lineup. Pretty good lineup to get introduced with. Uh, and hopefully hopefully the Braves can scratch out at least a little bit more of a consistent offensive night. Maybe get the long ball working. I know it's been cold, and that's been affecting it too. Maybe that's been affecting the pitchers a little bit. But uh, like like to see the bats kind of get a, a couple home runs. Follow Sean Murphy's lead. Maybe that walk-off yesterday will will kind of re-energize the ball club a little bit and, and, and get them to uh, mash a little bit and let this one be a, a big run. Let this be like, like, it'd be very nice to stake Kyle Wright to like a seven-run cushion. That'd be pretty good and see how long Kyle can go today. So that'll be it for me today. I'm sorry, I know, a little bit of a shorter episode. Uh, got a little bit of, of stuff going on. Everybody at the house is sick. Um, the, my son and my wife both sick. So trying to juggle uh, work and the show, and the two sickies upstairs trying to figure it all out. But uh, go Bravos tonight. Looking forward to seeing Kyle Wright as he looks to uh, build upon what he did last season. And while this was a pretty bad series against San Diego, Braves could kind of turn around pretty quickly once they start getting these guys off the IL and get them back into the lineup. I think uh, hopefully the worst is behind us for the early start to the year, and they can go back on the run that they were looking to going uh, going towards earlier in the season. Main takeaways here is Ozzy gotta gotta have Ozzy step up. Ronald and Riley and Olsen and RC are doing everything in their power. Gotta have the starting pitching. Somebody in that fifth spot, whether it's Elder, whether it ends up being Soroka in a couple weeks, three weeks, who knows? But for now, 
see if they can get that going. And one last thing, I don't want to forget this. Nick Anderson might be the third best pitcher in that bullpen. Nick Anderson has just been absolutely incredible this entire season. Can't believe they tried to start him off in the minors. They're so stupid. Another, that's an issue with mine. I don't want to say that Alex is stupid or anything because he's obviously not. He's the best GM in baseball. But I think the Braves were saved from themselves a little bit because they did have the quote-unquote injury to Max or starting Kyle Wright and Gwinnett. Having Nick Anderson be up on the big league ball club is a must. I don't care. Kirby Yates is terrible. I don't need to see Kirby Yates in any sort of high leverage at all. Honestly, I don't think it's long before we kind of see the the DFA bug kind of hit him. But for Nick Anderson, that's a guy that you should be watching very closely. Because while Rysel Iglesias isn't in and A.J. Minter is going to be the closer, Nick Anderson might be the best setup man on the team right now. Just an incredible job by him so far. The, the curveball looks great. It looks unhittable. The fastball gets on hitters so quickly. He's back up to his 95 self that he was back in 2019. So this is a chance to be one of the best Alex Anthopoulos bullpen additions. One of the best a lot for nothings to go along with Jesse Chavez. And by the way, pull up Jesse Chavez's StatCast page. I've, I've, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's the most unreal thing ever but that's really gonna do it for me tonight enjoy the game tonight everybody we'll be back on thursday for another episode of the 643 podcast that's all folks Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. So, Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com.